Welcome to Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans and Jeff Shade, a show that simplifies the complexities of investments, taxes, retirement, and more so you can discover how to better sustain yourself and your wealth for years to come. Brian is a CPA with 30 years experience and a financial advisor, which brings a unique perspective to the financial world. This show is brought to you by Madrona Financial and CPAs, home of the Rooted Wealth Plan. Want a retirement plan designed to last 30 plus years? Go to madronafinancial.com and click Get Started to see what the Rooted Wealth Plan can do for you. And now, here are your hosts, Brian Evans and Jeff Shade. Thank you so much. Welcome to Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans, the show that gives you the straight talk and honest answers you need to help sustain yourself and your wealth for 30 plus years. On today's show, we're going to be discussing the good, the bad, and the ugly of life insurance. Also, problems few understand about their 401ks. My name's Jeff Shade, and as always, I'm just here to ask the questions. But the words of wisdom and solid advice come from Brian Evans, CEO and President of Madrona Financial and CPAs. Brian, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks, Jeff. Glad to hear that, Brian. Hope our listeners are doing well today, too. We've got another great show lined up for us. I was reading the other day, Brian, about how people are dumping a lot of money into these things called index universal life insurance policies. And apparently, from what I understand, Brian, they grow tax-free. You can take income from it tax-free, and it pays a death benefit. It sounds like the perfect investment. What am I missing here? Well, Jeff, as you know, since you've done, I don't know, 450 shows, hours of shows with me over the years, there is no perfect, perfect investment, investment. Right. And there's no perfectly imperfect investment. Every investment is like a tool. We always use that tool analogy. If I want to hammer a nail into a board, I don't use a screwdriver. But screwdrivers are really good for putting a screw through a board, and I don't use a hammer for that. So it's not that the screwdriver is good or bad. It's not that the hammer is good or bad. It's just, are they performing the function that they want? So investments are tools. What is the function of them? And every tool has good functions and bad functions. Every investment has good potential functions and bad potential functions. You just have to have the right combination in your portfolio to achieve your objectives. Your objectives, I already know what they are. And I have fun with this one sometimes with clients. Uh, Maybe I'll do a little fun here too. But you want your investments to grow. But you want them to be secure. Oops. If it means if it can grow, it it can go down in value. That's the the definition of a risk investment. So having it also be secure, that's kind of tough. uh, Most investments can't do both of those. You want it to have cash flow. You want it to have adequate liquidity. And you want tax savings. So I already know what you want when you come in with your investments. You want all five of those growth, security, liquidity, cash flow, and tax savings. But no investment does all five. And really, no investment does none of them. Even burying the money in your uh, Home Depot, those those orange buckets in your backyard, that's at least, uh, well, somewhat secure. I mean, if no one knows, you buried those buckets, I guess. But you have to look at each investment and figure out what the pros and cons are. And that is what bothers me, and we'll talk about this a little bit later, about when financial advisors on the radio, on TV, or whatever, come out and say, this investment is awesome and don't give you any detriments, or come out and say, this investment is terrible, 
and don't give you any positives. It means that they don't sell it and they're trying to manipulate your behavior by trying to manipulate you. And I see all this manipulation attempts at manipulation out there in my own industry kind of drives me mad, but I'll talk about that in a minute. But that's what we're missing there when we say anything about an investment. Like it sounds like the perfect investment. There is no perfect investment. So the title here was Good, Bad and Ugly of Life Insurance. Let's explore that a little bit more. Life insurance, I mean, that's a very broad subject. There are many different types of life insurance. So let's start with the bad. I mean, what would be bad about life insurance in general? It appears to be really only having positive attributes. Right. Yeah. Some of the positive attributes is, you know, everybody wants to protect their family pretty much. I mean, you know, maybe you're single, you don't have kids and and you don't really need life insurance at all. But uh, a lot of people want that for that. Uh, It can produce cash flow in your later years that's tax-free. It can produce a tax-free death benefit. So there, there are some positives, obviously, to life insurance, but we have to look at the different kinds because you can have something that sounds positive, like I have a car. Okay, having a car is a good thing. What kind is it? It's an Edsel. Oh, that's not so awesome. <laughs> so let's talk about the Edsels in the <laughs> insurance world. One Edsel might be, and it, you know, some people like Edsels, I know, but one might be a variable life insurance. So what a variable life insurance is, is it's basically, yeah, you got your life insurance and you have growth opportunities because you're investing in the stock market. What's the downside? Well, stock markets can go down, right? And so that's that can be a downside. And the big downside to me is huge internal fees and good luck trying to find them. How much are your fees? Well, you know, it's uh, there in there, you know, it's like <laughs> finding a needle in a haystack. Where's Waldo? You know, where's your fee disclosure? I, and then they give you a list and it's like, wow, that's a lot of different things. I, I got mortality fees and I got these kinds of fees and death benefit fees and surrender fees and blah, blah, blah. And you go through and you go, wow, I've got to have a pretty significant return to offset these fees. What if we have a flat market? My investment's going to go down and so forth. So be very careful of variable universal life. If you want to be in the stock market, I usually generally tell people to get in the stock market and don't go through the insurance company first. So there's, there's my comment on that. Another area that can be a problem with life insurance is if you're trying to build cash value, Fees within, again, I just mentioned fees within life insurance can be very high, especially if you have life insurance and you're an older age. The life insurance component of your fees can go up over time and will. And so a lot of people bought uh, maybe Whole Life or something like that, and they, they looked at an illustration and said, wow, this looks great. If you look at how it's done in the past, I, I'm just, just going to go up, up, up every year. And yeah, you do at the beginning. However, the upside on Whole Life on most policies that I've ever seen wasn't high enough to offset higher insurance rates as you aged, as you got older. And so the the value of the policy started waning in later years. There wasn't enough upside there. So there's another issue you can have. I didn't say life insurance was bad. It can be very good. But I just gave you two examples where it didn't work. Another place where it may work or may not is term insurance. That is the basic definition of life insurance. I pay money to the insurance company mm-hmm. every month. If I die while I'm while I have that policy, my family gets money. If I live beyond the the term of the the insurance, let's say it was a 20 year policy, I paid for 20 years, and the 21st year I die. Well, too bad, so sad. It was a 20 year policy. You got nothing for it. Your family got nothing for it. So for 20 years, there's a, a death benefit. Okay, that's a good intangible. But in the 21st year, in this example, there's nothing. So that's a bad thing. So, oh, gosh, is there any good life insurance out there? Well, then there's this stuff called universal life. 
And universal life is not in the stock market. And so it generally has floors, kind of like annuities. You don't lose money except for your fees. And so it can grow based on the indexes. And that is the stuff that we call that permanent insurance. If you want to pay into insurance over your lifetime and you want to have something to show for it during your lifetime, the opportunity to take money out of it, borrow against that policy tax-free, then we tend to use universal life in the right situations. So what is the right situation? You need to be of good health. You need to be young enough to take advantage of that. So there's a lot of variables that go into it. Universal life can be extremely good in the right circumstances. It can be the wrong policy for others in other circumstances. We're talking with Brian Evans here, El Madrona Financial and CPAs, about the good, the bad, and the ugly of life insurance. Brian, you mentioned so many different types of life insurance. It would occur to me that determining the right life insurance product for an individual person really could be challenging. How do you go about vetting someone's needs for life insurance and really connecting them with the right product? Yeah, definitely in our financial planning that we go through with people, we get to know them, their, their family needs. Sometimes uh, we'll run into somebody that has a lot of money and, and do I need life insurance? I'm like, well, would it move the needle if you had a million dollar life insurance? They go, no, wouldn't matter. I'm like, okay, well, I, I'd say not. Or somebody says, you know, I'm 75, I need life insurance. I'm like, well, it's going to be very expensive. And so the insurance company knows your, your longevity isn't as good at 75 as it is at 45. And so the age matters. The who are you protecting? Do you need it? Do you not need it? You know, there's a lot that goes into that analysis. So that's more of an art than a science. And so that that is definitely something that we get into with our clients. And one of the things that I've seen a lot of advisors out there do is they illustrate really high returns. And so you get several years into it and you go, wait a second, this doesn't look like the illustration. Well, why do they do that? Well, they want to make a sale. I would say, um, unfortunately, uh, that is a way of things. The other thing that I do want to kind of touch on is where are you getting your financial advice? If somebody's trying to sell you insurance and all they're telling you about is why you need it, don't you want to take care of your family? Right. This is the perfect thing for you. This will protect them and you'll have money and so forth and so on and tax-free and you need to do this to protect, you know, they're trying to manipulate your emotions. They're trying to sell you something. I'm like, wait a second here. I think I'll go listen to, to Madrona because they're going to tell me why I wouldn't do a particular policy. Right. And it might be the same policy that person's trying to sell. And we'll look at that kind of thing and go, uh, no, don't do it because of X, Y, and Z. Well, wouldn't you get money if you sold me this? Well, yeah, of course we would. But we're telling you not to do it. But that insurance person that told me that they're my financial advisor and they're a fiduciary and that I could trust them. But I don't. <laughs> so I'm like, well, there's a lot of problems there. I, I hear these ads for a particular company out there and they said, come in and you know, see us. We're a fiduciary. We make more money when you make more money. Well, gosh, that sounds great, doesn't it, Jeff? Oh, yeah, absolutely. The definition of fiduciary, Brian, I mean, that's a very loose one these days. Yeah, fiduciary and financial advisor. Uh, pretty much anybody can call themselves a financial advisor because that isn't a designation. And when that commercial comes on, I cringe every time because they say, I'm a fiduciary. Really? Show me your certificate that says fiduciary and your name on it. Oh, you don't have one. Okay. Uh, insurance person, what do you do for a living? I, I sell particular insurance, life insurance policy. And you're telling me you're a financial advisor. Yeah, I'm a financial advisor because you advise on financial stuff. Do you have a certificate that says financial advisor with your name on it? Well, no. You have an insurance certificate. Yeah, I have that. Okay. And you claim to be a, a fiduciary, which 
you don't have that certificate either because it doesn't exist. Right, right. And you sell one product. So when you look at me, do you see somebody that you're going to try and figure out the detriments of the product and why it wouldn't work for me, uh, acting in my best interest like a fiduciary? Or do you see a nail and you're a hammer? My contention would be that most advisors who sell a product or a limited amount of a particular product, like the, the people that hate annuities and you should too, all these people that are limited scope advisors see a lot of nails out there. They see a sale potential. How can you possibly act in a fiduciary capacity in my best interest if you have something to sell and your job, your boss tells you to sell that, that stuff to me? How can you possibly act in my best interest? I have a Kippinger article on this. How can a fiduciary truly act as a fiduciary when they're a limited scope advisor? How can they do it if they can't even give you tax advice? I'll sell you this product. I, I, I don't know if it'll be terrible for your taxes, but whatever. Here you go. Sell something, pay a bunch of tax, put it in on what I'm selling. I have a million examples of that where people, you know, advisors look at somebody's real estate portfolio. I'll sell it, pay the tax and give me the money. I'll put it into variable life and, and some uh, front end load mutual funds and stocks and bonds. And they're like, wait a second. Are you acting in my best interest? Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm a fiduciary. I'm like, really? Okay. So be careful, everybody. Be careful. Whoever you're getting your advice from, buying your products from, listening to their sales pitch, make sure that you know if you're being pitched, if you're being manipulated, if you're being told all the good stuff and all the bad stuff is being left out because you should be hearing both on every single investment product out there. You're listening to Brian Evans of Madrona Financial and CPAs. We're talking about the good, the bad, and the ugly of life insurance. If you're unsure about your life insurance, if you've got questions about your policy, you're unsure of whether or not the policy is the right one for you, and you've got questions, we invite you to call us and get your Madrona analysis. No cost and no obligation for this. That number is 833-673-7373. Again, 833-673-7373. The Madrona analysis certainly can help you understand insurance and whether or not you have the right tool for your particular needs. Now, you've got to have at least $500,000 of investable assets to qualify for this conversational analysis. And as a bonus, if you do call 833-673-7373, we'll send you out Brian's book, Seven Steps to a Successful Retirement. Again, it's not going to cost you a dime, but the Madrona analysis could be just what you need to help you understand the good, the bad, and the ugly of life insurance. Get your questions answered today by calling 833-673-7373 and ask for your complimentary Madrona analysis. Once again, that number is 833-673-7373. Jeff, I've I've got a story on this. So we started out talking about life insurance and some policies are, are the right one for somebody, some are not. It occurred to me when you mentioned annuities, I just had this happen. Somebody had an annuity uh, from somebody that sold them something that years ago, and, and it had a, a longer surrender period. And, and I asked to look at it, and I looked at it, and I was like, oh, yeah, I recognize these guys. What's happened in the industry is a lot of insurance companies are buying each other out. And often when they buy someone out, the new buyer says, you know, we got these annuities, and uh, we can make a lot of money if we don't have to pay anything out on them. Why don't we change how much people can earn on them midstream? I know they bought it, you know, six, seven years ago with one thing in mind. They took the bait. We'll do the switch now. And so I'm literally seeing annuity companies where your ceiling, your cap on your earnings in this interest rate environment is 1%. The best you can do is 1%. 
Uh, didn't used to be that way when they, the original company sold it, but they took it over and they want their Christmas mm-hmm. bonuses, I guess. And they want to make sure that they pay nothing for money and they lend it out at a high rate and make a lot of profit. And then on to the next, heck with you, Mr. Client, uh, they don't know you anyway. So if you have annuities, you may not realize that some companies, and there are several of them out there, are not renewing properly. They're taking advantage of people basically taking their eyes off of it because you know you bought it a bunch of years ago. You don't look at your annuity every year probably. But if you did, you might see that. So I am seeing that, and I'm help. We're able to fix that for people. We can do 1035 exchanges. We can do surrenders into things that can replace quickly replace maybe what that surrender fee is in certain circumstances. So we need to look at that. So if you have annuities, if you have life insurance, another one on life insurance. I have somebody. Yeah, I got life insurance, but it's term insurance policy. It's running out, and I, I really want some even uh, after my kids have left the house. And so you can have both. You can have some in term insurance, let it run out while your kids are small, whatever, and then have a parallel permanent insurance policy that protects you in in your later years and is not uh, designed to just go away like the term insurance policy can. So again, Jeff, I just want to encourage people, if you have annuities, life insurance, and you're not positive as to what they're doing and how they do it, and if they're the right ones, uh, that's a great opportunity to come in and have us look at those. And Brian, you mentioned that sometimes you can fix a situation by doing a uh, like a 1035 exchange. But I had a neighbor that I sent to you who had an annuity question. And this was a situation in which you could not correct what was improperly sold to her. Can you tell that story again? I believe she was in her 70s. And uh, at the end of it, she said, I guess I'll have some good parties in my late 80s. That's right. I remember that meeting. It was very sad. She went to a financial advisor uh, who was licensed in insurance only and you know, convinced her to, to trust him. She shouldn't have. He sold her a 14-year annuity wow. with a massive double-digit surrender fee for at least the first 10 years. Wow. And the upside was terrible on it. It was totally inappropriate. And yeah, I remember she wouldn't even have access to be out of the surrender period until her late 80s. Yeah. I don't know how that got through compliance. I, I you know, it, well, you know, it, I, I guess I do. If, if you work for a company that's trying to make money and you're selling a product, compliance wants, you know, they get in trouble if they tell you no. So right. they might say yes when they probably go home and go, I better, I better take a shower right now. I improved <laughs> some of these. I shouldn't have. So be careful. Uh, don't trust people. I think that that term, personally, when people throw out, again, I'm a fiduciary, what they're saying is let your guard down. They might as well just say that. Let your guard down. Trust me. Based on what? Trust me. I'm a fiduciary. You know, I I feel pretty strongly about that. that that's why I wrote that article on that, too. But I, I remember a similar situation. You know, I'm a Christian guy and all that stuff, but we were going through, a, I was adopting my boys, and we went through an organization that all they could say, we're Christian, we're a Christian organization, we're Christian lawyers, on and on and on. And in the end, they were the worst people I'd ever wow. dealt with in my life. They were terrible, but they were manipulating the situation by saying, let your guard down, you can trust us. And so I, I parallel that to what I see from a lot of fiduciary, people that say, I am a fiduciary. Uh, the parallel can be there. It's a manipulation sales ploy when you lead with that and you keep repeating that. That's why that one commercial drives me nuts because the same people that say, I hate annuities and you should too. Oh, so yeah, that yeah. drives me nuts too. That whole organization drives me nuts. 
And so uh, there's a reason, I think, Jeff. It's interesting. I have two designations. Well, I have several designations. One is a registered investment advisor uh, representative, and one is certified public accountant. Uh, certified public accountants are, when I, when I see a survey, maybe one of the top three trusted, respected professions out there, trusted people, doctors and you know CPAs and so forth. The bottom three is financial advisors, oh. <laughs> used car salespeople, and oh. uh, you know, and yeah, I, you know, I don't even know what else. They're right at the bottom. Mm-hmm. So I'm both. I'm the both in the most trusted industry <laughs> and the least trusted in, industry. I'm telling you to watch out for that least trusted one. They earned it for a reason. So be careful. Just be careful. Know who you're talking to. Understand your product. Understand the detriments. Understand if they're trying to sell you. Understand if they sell other things, if they're being straight with you. It's very hard to do. Sometimes you just got to come in for an opinion from us to have us look at your situation. I say that because I already know that people have done that. and They come in and go, why would I go back to somebody that's not really Mm. doing that for me and can't do the tax stuff? I say, well, you wouldn't. And they're oh, okay. You knew that. I'm like, yeah, I kind of did. <laughs> so you know, they end up moving over to us, which is you know great for us. So I've got lots of great advisors here, and and we want to grow our business. So the show is not just called Growing Your Wealth. It's Growing Your Wealth, and we want to grow our business. And the reason we want to is we want to help more people. And it's always good to you know we're hardwired to grow and and learn and give good advice and all that stuff. That's what we love to do, and we love to keep doing it. And that's why we encourage you to come in and and have us look at your stuff. Brian, based on our conversation here, it appears to me that there are a lot of people out there who are really just taking advantage of people's emotions. And at this time of the year, you do see these commercials. You hear them on the radio. I heard one the other day in which the uh, wife was uh, telling her husband, you know, what would happen to little Ricky and me if you were to pass away. And, you know, they really do pull on your emotions. How can you keep the emotions out of something as emotional as providing life insurance or some sort of way to survive after you're gone? Well, I think you can do both. Emotions do play a a role in financial planning because not everybody has the same plan. They have different risk tolerance, different family situations. Uh, I was just thinking a pro to insurance. A lot of people, the example you just gave where he's working, what happens if something happens to you? You Then you leave me. I've been taking care of our kid at home. What are we going to do? We need life insurance on you. They forget about life insurance on her. What if something happened to her? He's going off to work and his kid's at home alone. (laughs) Well, uh-oh, we got to pay for somebody to watch. And now th- th- there's a big financial burden on him, even though he was the only one working at the time. So and it, it needs to be on both. So these are the conversations that can be had. I see a situation there where I'm like, okay, clearly we need two term insurance policies. They're cheap. They cover life insurance. Your kids are small. Uh, that, that would be a, a really good example of, you know, I don't give financial advice, but there's not a lot of situations where a married couple with kids, you know, shouldn't have term life insurance. There's not a lot of situation where somebody shouldn't have an umbrella insurance policy. You know, there are certain things that, boy, at a minimum, let's have some basics here. So that might be one of them. And then the discussion can go, does permanent insurance make sense in your situation? Does this other stuff, now that we've taken care of the big, you know, the really big bad thing, you know, an early death of a parent with young children, that'd be terrible. And so we want to make sure we have some protections there. But that's where the discussion goes. And so that's more of the discussion I would think somebody would want to have when it comes to life insurance, not just how much money you got. I can sell you all the insurance right. you want. You know, I don't want to be a Ned from... Uh, Groundhog Day, yeah. I think his name is Ned, <laughs> yeah. selling insurance. Uh, <laughs> Phil? Phil? <laughs> you know, trying to sell him everything he had. Uh, you, you don't want that. If you're just joining us, this is Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans. And 
You want to have a holistic conversation with our advisors about the insurance and what the right product is for you. I invite you to call us at 833-673-7373. We'll do a thorough analysis to determine what the right product is for you. Again, that number is 833-673-7373 for your Madrona analysis. Once again, if you want to hear the show again, don't worry, we're also a podcast. Just go to wherever you get your podcasts and search for Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans. You'll find this show and weekday takeaways so that you can stay on top of your wealth and how to grow it. Brian, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll be discussing problems with 401ks that few understand. Stay tuned. Growing Your Wealth will be right back with even more ways to help sustain yourself and your wealth for years to come. Tired of only getting half the story? That's why it's so important to get your financial information from a CPA and an advisor like Brian Evans. Now let's get back to some of the most comprehensive financial information around. You're listening to Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans. Welcome back to the show. I'm Brian Evans, CEO of Madrona Financial and CPAs. In this segment, we'll be talking about the 401k and several problems many people don't know about or realize. And Brian, I've been told that all you need to prepare for retirement is work and put money into your 401k. Also, when you put money into your 401k, you pay less in taxes. I can't see how that's a problematic situation. What am I missing here, Brian? That was a rhetorical question, right, Jeff? <laughs> yeah. You know we're missing a few things here. That's right. i got to uh, set you up for a slam dunk yeah, here, my friend. Boy, that sure was. First off, I remember the story. The guy said, I, I, I don't understand it. I maxed out my 401k contributions every year, and my friends are retiring, and I don't have enough investable assets and so forth. And I said, well, what else do you have outside of the 401k? He said, what do you mean? I was maxed out on my 401k. That's all I could invest. And I said, what about investments outside of your 401k plan? He says, oh. He didn't even think about that. And so all he was putting away was, you know, at the time, 12000 a year, 15000 a year. Well, that's not enough to fund a 30-year successful retirement mm-hmm. at the level that he wanted to fund it. And so there's the first problem is getting complacent with the amount that you're putting away for your retirement by limiting it to an IRS-prescribed limitation on 401k contributions. The IRS is not where you should go to get your proper financial planning. If they tell you you can put 18000 or whatever away a year, then okay, that's a number they picked, but that may not be what does it for you. So there's the first problem. Second problem is is some people have very large 401k balances, qualified account balances, and they find that in their later years, they've done their financial planning and their, their distributions in such a way that when they have to take required minimum distributions, they're getting hammered. They're getting popped way up in a high bracket they didn't see coming. They could have smoothed that out into lower brackets. They didn't think about that. And another problem uh, that we'll talk about in a second here is, is fees. Brian, I've had a 401k at a W-2 job before, and the big problem that I had is the choices there. I didn't know what they were. There was nobody to help me. How does your employer or whoever it is that makes up this 401k pick what goes into the 401k as far as your choices go? Um, you have a set of darts. Uh, <laughs> you just throw them yeah. at the board. Huh? <laughs> sometimes it's that. Sometimes uh, they get help. Sometimes, you know, a lot of uh, 401k plans, the options are picked by the owner. And you go, oh, what's your experience in financial advising? Well, none, but I'm a good plumber. And I just thought I could pick some good funds to pick from or whatever. A lot of people have a limited amount of selections. So we talk about on this show all the time about there's a lot of different areas one can invest in. But with a 401k plan, you look at that and go, well, I can invest in stocks, 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 bonds, 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 cash. Huh. 
that's not a lot of choices there. And most of us have that kind of plan where we're very limited in choices. And when I talk about choices, you might say, oh, I got lots of them. I got the lifestyle 2020, 2025, 2030, 2035, I could go on and on. Well, all of those are large cap index stock and bond mixes, and that's all it is. And we talk about some of the different areas that one can invest in. Well, yeah, there's stocks and bonds and cash and cash equivalents. Those are usually options within a 401k plan. But what is not an option? Oh, fixed annuity, fixed index annuity for uh, safe accumulation, index annuities for lifetime cash flow, universal life policies for permanent life insurance and tax-free cash flow. Let's see what else is out there. Uh, Long-term care, premium finance, buffered ETFs, structured notes, uh, private non-traded equity REITs, uh, credit funds, private equity development funds, Delaware Statutory Trust, uh, different kinds of uh, opportunity zones. There's all these different asset categories out there, and you're looking at your list of 401k options and go, huh, I didn't see any of those on there. Well, you're not going to. And so you're very limited. And generally, again, they're, they're just broad market index funds. And one of the problems with that is I have a real life example where a friend of mine just sent me her choices on her 401k plan. And I just recorded a quarterly market commentary where I looked at the last seven quarters of large cap US, mid cap US, small cap US, Europe, Asia, Far East, and emerging markets. Well, that's, that's the world stock market. All five were down double digits during the last seven quarters. And then I looked at publicly traded REITs, way down. And okay, how about the U.S. bond market? Uh, double digits. How about the foreign bond market? Double digits. So every single thing that most 401k plans are offering was down double digits during the seven quarters beginning 2022. And when that's all you had to pick from, how are you going to protect yourself? What if you wanted some security and cash flow within your retirement plan? Uh, other alternative asset classes. We talk about on the show how J.P. Morgan does a study where if you take the stock and bond mix and you add alternatives to it, your statistical average return goes up and your statistical average risk goes down. Better return with less risk? Sign me up. How do I do that in my 401k? You don't. You really probably don't even have that option. So there's another problem with 401ks. And another problem that I've identified, Brian, is that if you don't have any help, some of these 401k names are really very creative, aren't they? Absolutely. So how do you pick your stuff? You look at it and go, huh, wow, uh, new opportunities fund. Uh, that sounds like, a, who doesn't want like a new opportunity? <laughs> let's, let's check that one. High what growth. is that? Well, it might be small cap emerging market funds in Thailand or something. Who, who knows? Uh, you know, frontier. Oh, frontier sounds good. Well, that that is like Vietnam and really small countries. Uh, that don't have thriving economies and so forth. Pretty risky stuff. But my biggest example of that was the guy that came in. We had the, the run of good markets after 2009. And he came in. He had a 401k plan. He picked his funds. I said, he says, I don't get it. All of my cohorts are retiring. They have big 401k balances. I don't. And I'm invested in the global stock market. I don't get it. And I said, well, what are you in? He said, I'm in Vanguard. I said, well, that's not enough. Vanguard what? Well, Vanguard Global High Yield Fund. You know, all the stocks of the world, global. I said, well, it's global, but what you have invested in is the Vanguard Index of Foreign Junk Bonds. Wow. Because high yield, as Vanguard would, is junk bonds. So you have not been in U.S. stocks this whole time. You have been in junk bonds, foreign junk bonds. And he just looked at me like, what an idiot I am. And I'm like, ah. 
let's see what we can do going forward. But uh, yeah, that's a tough one. So if you're picking your 401k based on how the name sounds, be careful with that. Do a proper asset allocation the best you can, at least. And then there's some other things we need to talk about, uh, fees and, and alternatives here. But first thing is don't just pick based on how, how much you like the name. And Brian, I want to circle back to those fees. We'd mentioned that earlier. Some 401k certainly can have a lot of fees. Can you give us an example of the fees that might be involved with your 401k? Yeah, kind of like uh, the first part of the show when I was talking about certain permanent life insurance policies have all these different kind of fees. 401k plans are no different. They have legal fees, trustee fees, transactional fees, stewardship fees, bookkeeping fees, finder fees, 12B1 fees, uh, on and on. They can have all kinds of fees. And you're going, well, why do they have so many fees if we're just in indexes? Shouldn't indexes be almost free? Well, I would contend they should be, but people like to get paid. And so, you know, it's, it's just the way of things sometimes. And that's why we look for solutions. I mean, I, I just mentioned two of the biggest problems while you're in a 401k plan is the fees and the lack of choices, the lack of tools to pick from to do the job you want it to do. And so one of the things we highly encourage people to do if you're 59 and a half, most 401k plans, 403b, 457 plans, surface savings plans, allow for you to move your money out without any penalty, without any tax, into your own IRA, and now you have access to products uh, in different parts of the market, alternatives, insurance company products for protection, for lifetime cash flow, real estate, credit funds, you know, other kinds of investments and so forth that you don't have within your 401k plan. So I highly encourage you, if, you have, if you're 59 and a half, really you need to look at it. If you have a 401k balance of any significance, you, you want to look at the potential. Uh, I've, I've never seen a situation ever where I've seen that and and go, wow, you're way better off being within a 401k and limiting your choices and having higher fees than you would be on your own. You know, it's just that's kind of the, the no brainer one right there. The other one I see is when people leave a job and they go to a new job, and the new job people say, hey, you can roll your old 401k into this plan. And people go, oh, okay, yeah, I'll keep it all in one place. Sure. Don't do that. Again, you can do better, have more choices, and control your fees and, and know what you're getting into and be able to get into other kind of asset classes if you have your own IRA. So when you leave a job, you have access to your 401k to roll it into an IRA. And so I highly encourage that. I, again, I don't see the upside of rolling it into a, another 401k plan and limiting your ability to invest in the things that you want it invested in. You know, Brian, listening to this conversation, I'm saying to myself, and I'm sure our listeners are saying the same thing too, gosh, I wish I had somebody to help me with these 401ks. I mean, this can be very, very complicated, more complicated than I ever thought it could be. If you're one of those people who needs answers to questions about your 401k, you want to sit down and have a discussion with someone who can sort it all out for you, I encourage you to call 833-673-7373 and ask for your Madrona analysis. It's a friendly conversation. It'll just take a couple of minutes, but it can answer a lot of questions about 401ks to prevent you from making these common mistakes. Once again, it's a complimentary conversation. That number to call, 833-673-7373. It's not going to cost you a dime. You've got to have at least $500,000 of investable assets to qualify. And if you do qualify, we'll also send you out Brian's book, Seven Steps to a Successful Retirement. So if you've got questions about 401ks, you want to avoid making these mistakes, again, you can call right now because the phone lines are open and set up this conversational analysis. We call it the Madrona Analysis. Again, that number is 833 833- 
833-673-7373. Brian, when I was a young person and I had a 401k at my job and I didn't know a lot about it, I tended to just go with what was easiest because I just didn't know any better. What is another problem that people have with 401ks? I would say that is a big problem right there because I, one of my chapters in one of my books is called Christians, Mechanics, and Your 401k. And I say, well, just because you go to church doesn't necessarily mean you're a Christian. Just because you own a lot of tools, me as I'm talking about here, does not mean you're a seasoned mechanic. I am not. I own tools, but I can't fix anything, Jeff. But with a 401k, just because you have a 401k plan, you are ultimately responsible for picking what's in it. So unless you're a seasoned asset allocation specialist, then that might be a bit of a dilemma for you because this isn't your world. It's not your lane. Yet everybody that has a 401k, 403b, et cetera, is required to pick what they're going to put in it and the mix. So we have a big disconnect. We're asking people to do their, their own asset allocation as a special, you know, the most important asset of their life sometimes beside their house or maybe even more than their house. They're required to make those selections. So how do you do that without any experience in that? And, and it's very difficult. And so we can come alongside you and help you with that. And that, that to me is another issue with 401k plans, a lot of issues so far. Uh, one other one I want to mention is, again, finding out later in life, like for instance on me, when I was young, I was putting money into my 401k and getting a deduction on my taxes. That sounds great, doesn't it, Jeff? Yeah. Well, problem was my tax bracket was about 10%. <laughs> and so, yeah, yeah I got right. a few bucks back at the end of the year. I don't know what I did with it. Right. And then later in life, it grew and grew and grew and grew. And I'm going to pay all the growth back at, uh, at higher marginal brackets, way higher than what I got when I put it in. So I might have put, for every thousand I put in, I, I might have got a hundred bucks back. And let's say that thousand grew to 20,000. And let's say I'm in the 40% bracket. I got a hundred dollars and it cost me eight grand in taxes. So if you're young, please put your 401k contributions into the Roth. That generally is very good advice. It's, you know, I'm not supposed to give advice on here, but you know, having term insurance when you have small kids and you're young, having an umbrella insurance policy and having uh, Roth contributions into a 401k plan for a young person, I'm going to say about 98% of the time, that's probably a good idea, Jeff. So I'll go with 98%. I won't say 100 because I can't. I'm on the radio, but I'll say very often that's probably a very good, wise decision. Brian, can you put too much money into a 401k? I know people like to max it out because they get the match, but it occurs to me that if you put too much money into a 401k, then you don't have money to put elsewhere, and that would be true diversification. Well, I would say that 401k plans do have limitations. The IRS is set, and so Congress is set. So what often happens, there's other kinds of defined contribution plans or defined benefit plans where huge amounts of money go in. So those can get very large. And that is a ticking time bomb. I got a client of mine that has had really good investments, put huge sums of money away in qualified accounts. And now he's just getting drilled with required minimum distribution taxes and it's affecting every single thing he's doing. And he's like, hmm, I kind of wish I'd been investing outside of qualified accounts because they grew a lot. It's just just, someone's going to pay the tax on that. There's no step up in basis with qualified, you know, 401k IRA type accounts. Someone's going to pay taxes at that. And if it's a really big amount, someone's going to pay taxes at a very high rate. I mean, I'd much rather invest outside of a 401k plan into a, let's say, a capital gain situation where my tax rate is much lower than what I anticipate my and many of my clients' marginal 
ordinary tax rates are going to be. So there certainly is a tax implication to this, and that's all part of our financial plan that we do. We, we kind of look at what we think your qualified account balances will be down the road, and then we work backwards. We go, okay, we just did a plan. I don't like parts of it. I don't like the taxation part. What can we do about it? Well, we could spread that out. We could do some Roth conversions early. Uh, and you know, I didn't do Roths when I was young because it wasn't available, but I can do Roth conversions now and pay tax at whatever bracket you're in. Maybe it's a lower bracket and it's going to be later and so forth. So that's just part of the integration of the tax planning with 401k planning. We talked about the investments, uh, the fees and, 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 and the availability of investments to, to do the right job with the, the toolbox and of, of investment choices, which just aren't prevalent with most 401k plans. Well, Brian, on the surface, I mean, it really, as far as I was concerned, 401k seemed to be a good, good thing for me. We've been talking about just problems with 401ks. What's the good with the 401ks? Well, one of the best things about a 401k plan is that, well, with pensions going away, it's kind of necessary. We have investments. And uh, one of the issues I see is a lot of clients have trouble in our culture saving money. It just is. And, you know, just when you think you're saving money, your kid says, oh, I got another college tuition check, dad. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mom, can you send me your annual savings, you know, for the next quarter? Or the car gets bad or you got to put on a new roof. And right. so you take care of that stuff and you get old and you look at your, if you didn't put money in your 401k and you just said, well, I'm just going to invest on my own. I can do that. And you look in your investment account and go, huh, there's nothing there. I spent it all. And so 401k plans are kind of a almost a forced savings. If you are disciplined enough to build up money within a 401k plan, uh, maybe you're not a disciplined saver, but if money's coming out, maybe you have a 30-year mortgage and you, you're paying extra on the principal, so it's done in 10 or 15, so you'll have that paid off in retirement. Maybe you're maxing your 401k and putting it into the Roth, so at least you got something you know you're not touching. These are reasons why it can be a very good thing. It's it's money that's hard to get to, uh, certainly before age 59 and a half without a penalty. And so sometimes just, just the psychological aspects of a forced savings can be a very good thing for a lot of people, especially if you're not very good at, at saving. Brian, I'm sure that a lot of people have taken a look at their 401ks. They misunderstand what's in there. And as you said, there are limited choices. And many times the choices that you have have had double digit losses here in the last few years. If someone looks at the 401k and they say, I don't understand this. I don't know anything about it. I'm afraid that I'm losing money right and left here. This is just not a good investment. They bring it to you. And let's say they are 59 and a half. What are some of the options to get out of this 401k and put that money to use someplace better? Oh, yeah. If they're 59 and a half, we just roll it out of the 401k, no penalty, no problem, into their IRA. And then we put together, based on their profile and, and what they're, they want in retirement, to balance out the attributes of growth, security, cash flow, liquidity, and tax savings. And so we get to open up uh, all the different product types, which generally includes private non-traded equity REITs, credit funds, fixed index annuities for guaranteed lifetime cash flow, maybe some as a bond substitute for protected growth, different you know structured notes and buffered ETFs to give us a good upside on the stock market with some protections on the downside. There's a lot of different products that we could now start looking at integrating so that when we have the market we just had the, those seven those last seven full quarters where everything's down double digits every major market we can have some protections against that built in at 59 and a half forward so 
Uh, that is what we do. That's a lot of what we do, frankly. A lot of the money that we invest at Madrona is coming from uh, age 59 and a half 401k rollovers, frankly. We get a lot of money from people selling investment real estate with Delaware Statutory Trust. Sometimes they're selling a business. That's that's one place. Sometimes people inherit money, but I'd say a vast majority of people coming to us, they've retired, they're retiring, or they're 59 and a half and they have a qualified fund somewhere. Brian, I had mentioned earlier that some people gravitate to what's the easiest, and obviously the easiest thing is you've got a 401k and you change jobs is to roll it into another 401k. If that is a choice that some people need to be made, can you tell us some of the options that they might have? Yeah. As I mentioned earlier on the show, I'm not a big fan of rolling it into the new 401k. I, I already pointed out all these problems. I got I got high fees. I got limited choices. I have my options. And one of the things I see, you know, a lot of our advising depends on your age. Uh, we always talk about your risk tolerance and that kind of thing. But what about your age? If you're 20-something years old and you're putting money into a 401k plan, I've already said, please look at the Roth option so that if you have growth, it's going to be a tax at zero rate down the road. The other thing is I see 20-something-year-olds pick some kind of target date fund, uh, 2030 or 2050 or whatever, and I'm going, why in the world are you putting a bunch of your money into bonds? No, I picked the target date. Well, that's got bonds in it. Why are you not being aggressive? You've got decades and decades that you're going to be in this 401k plan. If you're in your 20s and 30s and think that the stock market 20, 30, 40 years from now will be higher than it is today, which I've never seen any, heard anybody say it's not. Mm-hmm. But if you think it's going to be higher, why wouldn't you want to put your money into more aggressive stuff when you're young? You've got time. That's what I always say on this show. It's not about timing the markets. Markets go up. When I was working, I say this story over and over. When I was in public accounting, I remember the Dow was between 1,000 and 2,000. Now it's, you know, 30 to 40,000, uh, depending. And so it's up. It goes way up over time. Do we have any guarantees it'll continue? No, we could have, you know, World War III, all that kind of stuff. But generally speaking, markets go up over time. If you have time on your side, and you can get in the markets, get in more aggressive. Don't worry about so much about risk, typically, when you're young. It's when you get older. It's when we hit, okay, we're in our 40s, we're in our 50s, we're in our 60s. Now I'm talking, that's when we talk to most people. The story has changed on their life. They used to be in a growth mode only. They didn't care about liquidity. They didn't care about cash flow from their 401k investments and other investments. They didn't care about security. They were willing to take that risk because they could ride it out. Now they're not at that point anymore. Now the game has changed. So now at 59 and a half, we have a great opportunity to say, all right, would you like to take risk off of some of this portfolio? Because yeah, because everything I was in the last couple of years got hammered. Okay, we can do that using insurance company products. Would you like to be in alternative assets that are not correlated to the stock and bond market? Well, yeah, because I was in them and they didn't do it. Okay, we can put you into private non-traded equity uh, real estate and credit funds with very high yields. We can put you into, again, structured notes, buffered ETFs, different kinds of products that you didn't have access to before. You know, what kinds of things do you want? Do you want long-term care in your portfolio? Do you want other things? We can start looking into all the different things that are out there because what I love is when I can take somebody that's moved their money over and they used to just be in a 60-40 stock bond split or 40-60 stock bond split 
And now they, I look at their portfolio and they have all these alternative non-correlated asset classes and we go through a tough spell in the market and they go, huh, I feel pretty good about where we're at because uh, we have that balance. And I'm like, yeah, that, that's true diversification. That's when diversification works is when you, you know, certainly uh, when markets are up, nobody wants to be diversified, but you know, we have a lot of down markets and that's when it comes back and we go, oh yeah, that's why I did that. Cause we have these markets. I go, uh, yeah. And it's not that I'm saying everybody needs to be diversified and protect against risk, but I would say retirees, <laughs> definitely when they come to me, I ask them, chart it out. What's the most important, growth security or liquidity or cash flow? And almost invariably, the first two in differing orders are security and cash flow. Right. I rarely hear growth first. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I do. Okay, that's fine. We can design something with that in mind. But when I hear security and, and cash flow, Guess what two things stocks and bonds don't do well, Jeff? Security and cash flow. Oh, yeah. you knew. Okay, there it, there it is. Give that man a prize. I mean, yeah, the, the two things that they don't do really well are the two things that my 59 and a half and older clients most of the time are list as one and two as to their priorities. So we have a disconnect if you continue with your money in a 401k plan that's in stocks and bonds and you want security and cash flow, there is a huge disconnect. We, we don't have the right tools to do that job. That's why I encourage you to roll that, you know, roll it into with a plan, a really good plan with all these different tools, roll it out of what you got so you, you have a, you know, an option to have these different asset classes we talk about on the show. Brian, most of our listeners are approaching retirement or are in retirement. They may have children who are maybe in their 30s and they have 401k plans and they're really struggling with the decisions that they need to make. And we've discussed before that time is a superpower. Those children do have time on their side. They may have 30, 40 years before they get into retirement. Would you say that if someone has a 401k and they're that age that, you know, markets are cyclical and that they should just stick with a 401k? Or is there ever a time when maybe the 401k is okay and you don't really need to look outside of the 401k? That's a great question. I just got asked this yesterday by a client of mine. They said, by the way, our daughter wants to uh, know what investment she should be putting her money into, a mutual fund, ETF, which one? And I said, well, before we go there, I always tell young people the two best places to invest your money. And one of them is in yourself, meaning your education or your career, your business. And the next one is your house. Mm. Because an investment in your education, your career, your business will pay off for the rest of your working life. The, the return on investment will be huge. You know, I don't know how much my 10000 of tuition, well, I know how much it cost me to go to Washington State University and back when dinosaurs, you know, were a preferred <laughs> mode of transportation. <laughs> Me too. But it's probably only about $10,000. I, I think I got a pretty good return on investment oh, yeah. on that, yeah. I would say. And so I encourage that. And in this case, she had a business and she wanted to grow it and she wanted to put stuff on YouTube and reach out to doctors and so forth. And I said, well, recording equipment and different things. I mean, investing in that was first. The second one is your house. Now, you can be 50 years old and, and have a house that you live in, or you can have a brokerage statement in your apartment that you've been paying rent on, and it used to be you know 1500 a month, now it's 3500 a month, and someday it'll be 5500 a month. Mm. <laughs> so I would say I'd rather have an investment I can live in rather than one I just look at on a sheet of paper. So I said, house is next. Once you've exhausted those two, then the third one, okay, now put it in your Roth 401k plan and go more aggressive because she was young. And so it was actually third on the list of things that I recommended having not met her. But we already, with number one, she didn't have a house and she wanted to invest in her business. So we were already, okay, well, let's give them a, a whack first and then, and then worry about the 401k plan maybe a little bit down the road. 
Brian, this has been a great conversation today, and I hope our listeners have enjoyed it. Once again, if you've missed any part of the program, you want to hear it all over again. We are a podcast. Simply go to wherever you get your podcasts and search for Brian Evans. Growing your wealth, you'll find this show and past shows so that you can stay on top of your wealth and how to grow it. Once again, if you do have questions about 401ks and the options that you might have, maybe you got some problems, you need some questions answered. That number to call is 833-673-7373 to get your no-cost, no-obligation Madrona analysis. Not going to cost you a dime. 833-673-7373. Brian, we are out of time for this week. Boy, I've really enjoyed this show. I want to thank you for your time, but most importantly, I want to thank the fine people here of the Greater Puget Sound area for joining us. For Brian Evans, I'm Jeff Shade. Have a great weekend. We'll talk again next week with another edition of Growing Your Wealth. No statements made during the Growing Your Wealth show should constitute tax, legal, or accounting advice. You should consult your own legal or tax professional on your own individual information. Brian Evans and Madrona Financial Services is licensed to offer investment advisory services through Madrona Financial Services, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Insurance products are offered through Madrona Insurance Services, LLC, a licensed insurance agency and an affiliate of Madrona Financial Services. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. Investors cannot invest directly into indexes. No investment strategy, including asset allocation and diversification, guarantees a profit or guarantees the avoidance of loss. Financial planning is an important tool that does not guarantee specific outcomes. DSD investments are only available to accredited investors and offered solely through the issuer's offering documents. The DST sponsor determines whether to accept any individual subscription documents. Madrona Financial and CPAs is a registered trade name used singly and collectively for the affiliate entities. Madrona Financial Services, LLC, Madrona, and Bauer Evans, Inc. PC. Bauer Evans. Investment advisory services are provided through Madrona. CPA services are provided through Bauer Evans.